Hey, if you're listening to this in the week as this podcast episode becomes released, then you still have time to step up and go to the webinar page that we have because on the Thursday and on the Tuesday of this week, we will have a webinar about productivity and we'll not only talk about productivity, see classical tools, but also how you can better learn your leadership skills and how they will help you to become much more productive. We'll also talk about the upcoming leadership program of the effective statistician that is available right now as well. So head over to theeffectivestatistician.com and register there for the webinar that is happening this week. Hey, you are listening to the Effective Statistician podcast, the weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today we are talking about getting to yes, negotiation skills for every day. This is another book review that I'm doing together with Stuart. So if you enjoyed the last one, you'll probably enjoy this one as well. It's very, very practical this time, a little bit much more practical than last time. So stay tuned for some really, really good learnings. Getting to Yes is really a fundamental book that probably everybody should read. Really everybody. It was fundamental for me early in my career and it helped me throughout my career really very, very much. And you will see from the discussion with Stuart how kind of aha moments he had by reading this book. By the way, this book is just one resource among lots of others that I share regularly on LinkedIn. So if you're not yet following me on LinkedIn, just head over to LinkedIn and follow me. And if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, well, I can tell you it's a must-have to succeed in, in the business because that's where a lot of people externally and even internally within your companies find out about you and who you are. So head over to LinkedIn and follow me. I also have a special group for the Effective Statistician where you can join like-minded people. So I'm producing this podcast in association with PSI, a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. PSI has a lot to offer to develop your statistical capabilities. For example, through the Video On Demand content library, free registration to all the upcoming PSI webinars and much, much more. Just head over to PSI website at psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of The Effective Statistician and this is the second book review that I'm doing together with Stuart. How Stuart? How are you doing? Very well indeed. Thank you, Alexander. Very well. <laughs> Very good. And today we are talking a uh, book that I learned about maybe 15 years ago. Um, 
in negotiation trainings that I did at my previous company. And it was a really, really good training. It had, you know, lots of live uh, uh, negotiations. And I still remember, you know, that we started with with, a situation where uh, a partner and uh, I were given kind of positions and then we needed to negotiate. And I think it was about a car deal or something like this. I was really poor in negotiation and I was really kind of giving in far too fast on, on the price and things like that. And, um, really unhappy. You know, we didn't, you know, we didn't make a deal in the end. And then, you know, we went through all what went wrong in this negotiation. And, um, then, you know, we learn about this. Harvard approach of uh, negotiation and, and how to be, you know, good in terms of uh, negotiation. Um, so that's, that's where I learned first about the book. Yeah. Stuart, you have recently uh, read the book. Where have you read it? <laughs> so I can't believe Alexander, this book has escaped me for so many years. So thank you for bringing it to my attention. So, yeah, I was holidaying in um, the island of Islay, which is off the west coast of Scotland. Um, absolutely most beautiful, idyllic place um, to, to, grab some, to grab some time. Um, I think it's got a population of 3,000, um, possibly more sheep, a bit more cattle, lots of beaches, blessed by beautiful weather. And you'd suggested this book, and I thought, right, I'll give it a whirl wasn't 100% sure because I've got to say it quite a bland sort of front cover. Um, and again, never, never judge a book by its cover. But once I got into this, it was pretty much uh, nonstop. And I have just found it so fascinating, so fascinating. And there's a few things I'd like to unpick in it. But um, I'm going to plug this book, but I'm also going to plug a visit to the island of Islay, which is just absolutely sensational and um, next door to Islay is another island called Jura um, which interestingly is where George Orwell um, wrote 1984 and I have to say um, quite a contrast to that landscape and that beautiful scenery um, that book maybe maybe we'll do that on another review sometime Uh, (laughs) but uh, so getting to yes what, what you, so you're, for, for me, I, I, I think the underlining principles of this book, if I just go big for a moment before we go into the detail, but some of the big things I took from this book was about separating substance from people. Yeah. And all through the really tough negotiations that I have done in my um, previous roles, I just remember how tough some of those people were to negotiate with. And having read this book and understanding this principle of decoupling principles and people, I now realise that actually I can't remember many of the real tricky points that we were negotiating over. And this whole thing about understanding the person that you're working with forming some sort of relationship, forming a relationship enough that you'll have a relationship after the negotiation. 
has been really powerful for me. And I come away thinking, wow, I wish I'd read this book 15 years ago. It would help a lot. Yeah. So that, that's like the big, big picture takeaway for me. I completely agree. And kind of the emotional barrier is, is really big. You know, it's, it's, and it's both sides. Yeah. In the other side and our side as well. Yeah. So if we get kind of cornered or frustrated or angry or, you know, these kind of things that can completely derail us. And, um, when we are then in this amygdala hijack, yeah. There's no really good things get out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I thought that and one of these beautiful takeaway images um, in the book is about this this idea of the balcony. So when you're in a really tough place and you want to write that hard email, um, and you you know you you write all these sort of tough things, you know, you put it in your um your draft box. Or if you've just had a really tough telephone call, you go to the balcony. I think it's the balcony that is mentioned. You, you, you take a step back, take a step back, reflect, think, understand, absorb before you react. And it's so simple to say. It's so obvious. But when you've got that, you know, you use those words, it's sort of emotion, passion, you know, all those sort of things that are cooking up inside you as a person, you yourself as a person to separate and come away from that and try to reflect on what's happened is really tough, really tough. Um, but um, yeah, very, very powerful indeed. One of the things about there is always be clear on your goals. Yeah so, yeah, so if you go into the negotiation and you are clear on what you want to achieve and then you can always ask yourself again, what, what did you want to achieve? Yeah. And so, yeah. That, uh, and that kind of question actually helps your brain to go back mm. to thinking mode and out of this, um, fight or flight mode. Yeah. So, so that is really powerful because otherwise all your, you know, your energy is in your limbs rather than in your. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that. I, I think he, they, they spend a lot of time on this um, uh, listening and I'm, you know, really trying to understand why it is that they are, you know, why you're, you're pushing sort of certain positions and almost getting that, um, that whole, uh, listening and trying to, uh, I, I don't know, almost call out what are the, um, what are the negotiation, um, points here? Call it out. Is this a tough negotiation? Is this um, sort of a good cop, bad cop negotiation? What is it that's going on? And, you know, really try to listen and understand the scenario that's being set um, before you play the game, which I think um, moves on to something that we were, you know, uh, another book that we've read <laughs> together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in terms of, you know, these negotiation, they don't necessarily need to be always, you know, appear to be, tough from a tough tone and things like that. I used to work a lot with psychiatrists. 
Yeah. Oh. And negotiation with psychiatrists is really, really interesting because you only find out afterwards how you, how they tricked you. Yeah. So, and one of the <laughs> really interesting things is they could, you know, make you do what you, what they wanted and still feel good about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, these, these manipulating, without actually knowing about it, that is also something that you need to uh, watch out for. Yeah, so so uh, negotiations can also be really kind of nice disc- discussions and things like that, and you only afterwards, you know, realize how much you have given in. Yeah, so it doesn't need to be always kind of, you know, uh, tough confrontations. But one of the, yeah. you know, if, if we, if you think back of negotiations, what's the big, what are the biggest problems that, that is about that, you know, about negotiation? Well, I actually, um, if I could just comment on the, 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 the psychiatry, um, sort of example <laughs> you've just given is the ability to identify the type of negotiation that you're entering into. Mm. I think that is, um, that is worth its waiting gold. Yeah. Understanding that game that we're about to play. And one of the things that the book addresses, which I think stems off of this, is what if the power is unequally distributed between the negotiators? Yeah. So uh, I think, you know, one of the examples was, you know, you're, you're um, negotiating, negotiating against the White House, you know, in the US. Or if you're negotiating with a, a landlord and they're trying to remove you from uh, from uh, the house, you know all these examples of where the power across the negotiating table is unequal, and how you can how you can use techniques to address that. And I think that for me is something that's been very difficult for me in the past where the power, particularly when I've been um, negotiating quite large deals, is that I'm not the ultimate decision maker. And often the person that I'm negotiating with isn't the ultimate decision maker. So I'm having to represent, collect this sort of cloud of decisions from a, a team of people and the other person is negotiating and trying to get the best for their company or their project or whatever it is they're negotiating on. And in some ways, there's a very powerful phrase in the book about believing what you say and um, and saying it with, with real belief. I'm paraphrasing now. But when you're negotiating on behalf of a company, and you're given lots of different things, almost like this sort of menu, this tick list of things that we need to achieve. And the other person is doing the same. That's quite tough to, and you're talking about difficulties, that's quite tough sometimes to always measure up and and deliver, particularly when it's not you know, not not yourself that's the ultimate decision uh, maker. And sometimes there are things that you're negotiating where you think, do we really need this? Is this something that we really need to have in this contract? Or is it because Bob has said that it's a nice to have and he wants it, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that's been quite difficult when I reflect on deals that I've done in the past. That's been a really tricky thing. 
Yeah, the other thing is kind of if you go into these uh, negotiations and they kind of go on forever. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I've I've been in these discussions, for example, about preparing a study. Yeah, and and you negotiate about and discuss about the study design again and again and again and again and again, and yeah. you try to find an optimum between quality and speed and budget. Yeah, and it's endless meetings. Yeah, and yeah. in the end, you kind of think, hmm, okay, now we have a really fast and cheap study. But will it really turn the needle? Yeah, will we be more clever after the study? <laughs> um, you have these kind of sometimes this win-lose situations. Yeah, if, if the other uh, person that has more power, yeah, maybe that is the operations guy or that is someone higher up in the organization that is part of your study team, and they just kind of you know use their authority to uh, get things on their side. Yeah. In the end, you know, maybe that person has, has won, but all the relationships are broken. Yeah. And you don't trust each other anymore. And see the, you know, moving forward to the project is a complete pain because, you know, yeah, nobody trusts each other and, and everything takes longer and longer and longer because uh, this negotiation had this fallout in terms of, yeah, but relationship. And, 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 and that, and that for me, like a knife through butter is this great phrase that comes through the book. I think the book should be renamed this whole idea of BATNA, the best alternative to an, uh, an, uh, best alternative to an agree, a negotiated agreement. So yeah. this, Know your options before you go into the uh, negotiation. Know what else you can do. And ultimately, if you need to walk away from this negotiation, what are the alternatives? What are the options? And have those ready up your sleeve so that you're immediately um, uh, able to, to sort of call on them or just have them sort of diffusing as you're conducting this negotiation. So Batna, and I think the the book, while, while I kind of get this sort of, you know, this understanding that the, the people who wrote this book, you know, are, are, are dealing with sort of world peace type negotiations <laughs> <laughs> between governments, but then it also drops into this sort of landlord-tenant type uh, case study um, you know, they really try to, to make sure that, uh, you know, these techniques are relevant for all types of negotiation. And as soon as you start to understand, I mean, I think we all know it's good to have alternatives. It's good to have options, but really to live and breathe that in a day to day setting and in when you're going into a negotiation, it's quite it's quite hard to, to, to keep remembering that. So I have to say that for me is one of the sort of the highlights, um, how they unpick this whole BATNA um, best alternative to a negotiated agreement and just knowing your options, um, but not always having to share those in the negotiation, maybe sort of keeping some of that back to yourself, you know, um, yeah. really powerful. 
That is really powerful, especially because then it's not about, oh, I need to really get this to do a result. Maybe you don't. Yeah. So, so, and that's where a lot of power comes from. So, for example, if you negotiate about a promotion, yeah, and as an alternative, maybe you move to another group. Or maybe, you know, you have an offer from, from another company that you can move to. Um, mm. If you have these different alternatives, you have a very, very different way of how you can negotiate. And you can go into the negotiation with much more self-confidence and much more kind of, you know, maybe a mo more push. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Then if you just go in there and it's about, yeah, being promoted or not being promoted. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, then, you know, you, maybe it's the best what you can get out is, you know, maybe a promotion a little bit later or, you know, without just with a title, but without money increase or whatsoever. Yeah. But if you have a really good alternative, that's really, really powerful. And, and, and I say, I think that's um, that whole dynamic of um, how people can put pressure on you during a negotiation. They, they, they talk about this in the book, but this sort of unequal uh, negotiation and how sometimes people will use sort of tactics and put pressure on you. And often the result of pressure um, is, is quite a negative one. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I like this. I, I like this sort of availability of having alternatives and having options, so that if you feel something is underhand or there is a, a, an unfair use of pressure being exerted on the negotiation, you can just say, "Okay." And in your example, okay, this job isn't for me. I think I'll, I'll move on. You know, the, the headhunter's being too forceful. He he wants this too much. Um, actually, I'm better off staying where I am, you know. Yeah. And I, I think that that understanding of uh, the options and using that in, in during your negotiation, I, I think that's a really sort of nice technique. I mean, yeah, especially kind of, I, I have said quite a lot when when headhunters are calling. Yeah. Yeah. I, You know, if you start out by saying, I'm working for a great company and I'm really happy about my supervisor. I have lots of options here. I'm, you know, uh, I'm really, people take care of me. I can work on great projects. Yeah. Then that is the headhunter directly knows, okay, he is a really, really strong uh, plan B if he doesn't jump. Yeah. So yes. That, of course, puts you in a much better position than if you start by saying, oh, yeah, everything is kind of crappy here. Uh, I don't get along with my supervisor. <laughs> kind of, yeah, projects where I just need to clean up the mess and, and uh, you know, there's no impact and uh, I, I'm not allowed to go into any conferences and things like that. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, Alex, that was really good. Maybe, maybe you've got a future in headhunting. <laughs> well, I'm currently growing my team, and I have a lot of kind of these uh, discussions about people moving into my team, and uh -huh. I, I, I see it also from the other side. So. <laughs>
and, and that's one of the really powerful techniques in negotiation is that whole empathy, uh, understanding. And I think um, I also took uh, and I, refer, I, I walked into um, uh, my, my nearest town uh, on Sunday and I was reflecting on, on this point about how it, the negotiation, the most successful negotiation is you have a relationship before you have a relationship during and you have a relationship after. Yeah. And some of the tough personal negotiations I've had in the past where I have been the tenant in a property and the landlady has been really tough, you know, the, the monthly terms and all that sort of thing. And I've kind of thought, well, it doesn't really matter if I don't have a, um, a relationship with this person because you know, I'm never going to rent from them again. But that's not the point. The point is that you feel bitter and sour and a little bit of you dies inside when you, when you make, make an enemy or you, you, you have somebody that you're not able to be respectful towards again. So I really like this. At the end of the negotiation, you, uh, you, you, you still have a relationship. You still have... I think maybe friendship's too strong, but you still have an ability to communicate with that person. And whatever the, um, the negotiation is, whether it's for a, a large phase three project contract or whether it's over a tenancy in, in a flat, I think that's something that's really resonated um, with me hugely. And I've, I've been reflecting on, on that a lot during, during not just reading this book, but afterwards as well. Um, and how I can improve that sort of style that I have. Completely so, yeah. agree. Yeah, so uh, a very good friend of mine uh, once said to me when I was studying, you always meet twice. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, if you mess, mess it up the first time and then you win, you know, and you hurt the relationship, you'll be paid that back later. And maybe you yeah. don't even know because, you know, you are being talked about in the background and, and things like that. So, uh, there's, there's always a fallout. I, I remember that I was at a meeting, um, and we were three people in, in the study team and the, um, project leader. Uh, the operations person wanted to do uh, some further analysis. And mm -hmm. I didn't saw the point in these. And so we were kind of negotiating in front of the medical director that was uh, about to make the decision whether we do this analysis or not. Mm -hmm. You know, won this argument. And uh, because the director then said, no, you don't need to do that. You have other more important things to do. Felt good about it up to the point where I had a discussion with my supervisor because, uh -huh. uh, or the supervisor of my supervisor because that was the best friend of the project leader. <laughs> <laughs> Stakeholder management. Wow. Yeah, and of course, you know, they meeting directly after that. And then, you know, I had a lot of kind of mess to clean up later on. So yeah. You always meet twice and so make sure that, you know, you have a good relationship is, is really important and, and mm. really, um, nice frame 
that the book also talks about. It's, I think it has a lot to do with seeing the problem from the other side. Yeah. Yes. What yeah. are the core concerns of the other side? What, mm. and, and, you know, there is, there's very often, and that's the other interesting thing that I uh, think about the book is this notion of what is the position and what is mm. the interest. Yeah. So very often, uh, people just talk about the position, but not the interest behind it. So, so there's this famous example that people speak about, you know, two kids have just one orange and they yes. both want to have this orange. And, you know, they speak about, oh, what we can, you know, how can we come up with a solution? And, you know, it's arguing back and forward, back and forward, and both want the orange. Yeah? And that is the mm-hmm. I want to have the orange. And then the interest is, one wants to have, you know, to make it, um, to use the, uh, the, the pail. Yeah. yeah. And the other one wa- just wants to use the skin for baking something. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and that's a different interest. And by knowing the interest, you can resolve the problem. But so, and that is kind of a really, really important thing there. So, mm-hmm. Interest and then finding out about the interest. And I think you can only do that if you work on the empathy part and understand where the, uh, where the other side is coming from. Yeah. What, what, what do you, what do you really want? I think when we previously talked in, um, about the infinite game, yeah. um, I think I talked about how in my sort of world and sphere, when you're working from uh, a service company and you're sort of selling into a farm or a biotech, the most successful deals are the ones that you create, that you innovate, that aren't, you know, it's not a tactical thing. It's a strategic thing. And it's something that you kind of brainstorm around and say, you know, what is it you're missing and how can we, uh, you know, how, how can we formulate something uh, that works? Um, or what are the issues that you're facing? And how can we, you know, work together to, to, to find something uh, that resolves that or satisfies it? And in the book, they talk about this US-Russian relations um, with the, the nuclear arms deals and how there's this group of what they call wizards, which are highly technical scientific people, but they're both um, dual lingual, so they both speak Russian and American. And they call these guys the wizards because when there's like an impasse or an issue with the negotiation, these guys go off um, and have a discussion over a, a restaurant uh, or, you know, they, they take some time out, um, you, you know, together and they unpick what are the true real points of discussion and come up with a solution. And I really like that. Again, it talks about sort of stepping back, going to the balcony, formulating quite a small, I think it was like four, formulating a small team uh, to to address, um, using that empathy, understanding, and then coming back with, you know, with, with, with ideas. And, when I'm trying to negotiate, when I'm trying to look at how can we solve a bigger picture or how can we formulate 
a uh, a plan and brainstorm around something those are often the most uh they're the best deals that I've ever done you know by far they may not be the largest but they're the most impactful um uh, deals that I've ever done and I, and I think that's um you know when I reflect on that I, I th- it, it takes a bit more time but it definitely has more impact yeah yeah and I think that's really important to you know dig deep on these kind of things ask questions why is that important for you yeah where, where are you coming from and mm. to find out about you know where the people are coming from then you can invent these options for mutual gain yeah so that is that's that's really important the other mm. thing is from the emotional side yeah so Where are the people? What are their core concerns from the emotional part? And there's five things that the book specifically calls out. That is the first thing is uh, autonomy. Yeah. Yeah. By this uh, negotiation, do they feel kind of being cornered or do they feel, you know, that they don't have any options anymore and, you know, they, they don't have autonomy anymore? Mm. is is there kind of a lack of appreciation i had in the past lots of discussions where there was about authorships on on and then a couple of statisticians were uh, contributing to the to the paper yes someone maybe worked on the study another one worked on the analysis a third one worked on the uh, manuscript or maybe that was a study that was pulled from Uh, a manuscript that was pulled from many studies and then, you know, all the study statisticians wanted to be authors. And of course that doesn't work that way. Yeah. And so it's about the, this authorship thing was a lot about also appreciation of the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another thing, the next thing, a core concern is affiliation. So being part of, of something. Yeah. If, 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 By the negotiation, you kind of people feel threatened that they are kind of sidelined or that they, you know, uh, through this negotiation kind of put out of the team. Yeah, that, yeah. that's a core concern as well. Another thing is role and, and kind of the purpose. Yeah, so if, if people feel like that is under, under pressure. Yes. Yeah. And the final thing is uh, status. Yeah. Although, you know, We often think about, no, that shouldn't be a thing, yeah, and um, we are staying, you know, we are humble and we are above that. Well, in the end, <laughs> yeah, this is very, very often important, yeah, and that's why in negotiations about jobs, the title very often plays a big role. It's actually really interesting, I was reflecting on this, about the... Um, The, the, the sort of similarities of um, st- uh, statisticians in the in the pharmaceutical clinical trial process and the role of the negotiator is that both both have to represent the facts. You can't change the facts. The facts are real. This is what um, has been ha- has been uh, proven. This is what is shown. Um, and then it's really about communicating that so that people can understand it. And I, and I think it's almost a sort of an unsung hero type of role 
Um, you know, people, you know, the accolade doesn't go to the negotiator and often it doesn't go to the, the statistician when the results are. Um, but to be able to fathom what are the facts and present them in a, a clear and understandable way it is, you know, that is, that is the real value. And, um, yeah, it does feel to me it's a little bit, you know, kind of goes without the appreciation that it should get, you know, maybe. And I think the the role of the statistician being able to decipher and communicate is very, very key to the greater understanding or even just that individual project. So I see similarities in there. Um, it's quite, quite, quite insightful. Yeah, and I think, you know, we are talking here about this because we want the listener as a statistician, yeah, to better be able to negotiate about these things, yeah? Mm -hmm. I don't see why, you know, on medical publications, the first and last also always needs to be, you know, physicians. Why? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I know about uh, one publication where our common friend Claire, yeah, was mm. uh, first author because it was a really, really technical and it was a really impactful, you know, mm. great, great paper. Yeah, it's great that she was first author on that and not, you know, uh, a scientist or another scientist, not a data scientist, but a, but a mm. physician. Yeah. I think we should be in, you know, better in terms of these negotiation skills and have, yeah, through that more power and influence on things. Because otherwise, um, you know, we come out with bad design, bad science, and that will hurt, you know, the customers and, and in our industry, the patients in the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I, let's, let's go back to the patient. I mean, because at the end, that's where the ultimate benefit or not, uh, will be seen. So I, I really like that story. Um, and I'll have to uh, <clears throat> embarrass Claire with it when I, when I see her next. But yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Really cool. We should see more of those. Yeah. 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 I think that is in terms of the benefit of the patients, that can also be something that is, um, a common kind of interest that the people can have. Yes, yeah. so it can be kind of a measure on how you weigh up the different options. Yeah, what's the best yeah. for the patient? Yes. And that is also what the book speaks about. If you have kind of a common metrics that you can use to negotiate about, <coughs> yeah, then yes. uh, that is really, really great to have because then it's much easier to weigh up the different options. Yeah. So they speak about, you know, references or guidelines or, you know, things like that or benchmarks that, that you can use. So, for example, when it's about house pricing, you can, you know, you have the local benchmark uh, as, as mm. something to negotiate about. Yeah. And, 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 and I see in the book um, talking about, you know, sort of different techniques you can use and having maybe bringing in a mediator. So if there's two people with very, it doesn't need to be uh, a conflict, but it might be two people with a different view. Like I think that in the book they talk about a couple who are looking to design their own house and then the architect 
is really working as the mediator, trying to find all the things that are important for one person, all the things that are important to the an, an, another, uh, the other person, and really amalgamate that into uh, a design, a, a plan. And it's all, and, and I think how that reflects in when you're in a meeting. Uh, typically, it doesn't have to be confrontational, but it can be two people with differing views. And then either bringing in a third person to become the mediator to get the best out of those two views or one of you formulating that position of how do I make the compromises here to be the mediator between the two of us, um, you know, starting with yourself. Uh, as the mediator in that in that situation, I think yeah, I think I have seen statisticians in that place quite a lot. Yes, there's uh, yeah. where there's two different sides, and the statistician kind of jumps in and plays a mediator. Yeah, you know, so because very often the statistician is thought of as very logical, as very trustworthy, and mm. so, um, that that position sometimes sets you up to be a good, good mediator. But of course, you still then need very, very good communication skills and you need to have a good relationship with both sides. Yeah. And yes. The last thing that you want to do is that you want to, you know, ruin your relationship with, with one side, uh, in, in these kind of mediating roles. So, uh, but yeah. I think sometimes it helps to then kind of paraphrase things to, um, speak about options so that the other side can understand it as well. You know, so that is, um, that's, a, that's a good, good. Anzan, in the role of the statistician in this, how, I, I mean, I guess this idea of the, the sort of the, the, the best alternative to a negotiated agreement, how, how many times do, do statisticians go in with the option and say, and actually walk away? Where there's no, there's no real agreement that's being made, or there's an impasse, and they say, okay, you know, it's a time to, to, to walk away from this. Or is there always somewhere that you, you can get to as a statistician? I think it depends on the uh, circumstances. But yeah. I think we are very often not clear on what our BATNA is. Yeah, so we are not clear on what the ex- exit option is. If we go into and want to design a new study or if we want to, you know, uh, get to a final point, it's, I think it's sometimes really difficult to imagine that, but that's where, you know, creativity plays a big role and seeing the bigger picture and maybe, you know, getting, speaking with, uh, with a peer about it or with your supervisor about it, reflecting on what could be uh, exit options um, if, if you know the negotiation isn't successful. Maybe it's you know sometimes if if you make a proposal, just the documentation of the proposal and your concerns. Yeah, so then that at, at least when there's some maybe a year later after the study says and they do a post mortem in terms of you know what went wrong, all these things are documented and it's clear and the, you know, at least in the long term, the, uh, the company can learn from it and don't repeat. Sure. That, that is really important. But I think it's, it's about the statisticians being better equipped with these kind of tools so that when they go into this negotiation or they, you know, 
find themselves in negotiation, you know, that come out of nowhere as well, that people are really good equipped because other areas, you know, spend a lot of time in learning about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially when you think about lawyers, yeah, they have a lot of, lot of training in that. Or as we, you know, talked about psychiatrists and, and other areas, they mm-hmm. have a lot of experience in that. And uh, statisticians very often focus only on the technical skills and not so much on these type of skills. And that can hurt in the long run. Yeah. It, it, it's a real blend, isn't it? I mean, to be able to have those soft skills, keep the relationship, keep the empathy, the understanding, but also those sort of fierce, razor sharp technical skills and being able to sort of marry those together. Yeah, um, yeah it's a very interesting blend. Yeah. Okay, so today we talked about getting to yes a great foundational book that influenced lots of negotiations around the world. Uh, it's also uh, called the Harvard model of, of negotiation. And we talked about a couple of, of key things. We talked about the emotional side of uh, these negotiation, that it's about, you know, the people and the problems and making clear about what are you currently talking about? Is it a problem or uh, the people side of things? It's about, you know, being empathetic and seeing the problems from the other side, knowing about what are the core concerns that are at play here in terms of, for example, status or autonomy and coming up with great options for uh, decisions because we know about the interest and not just the position of the different sides. So I can highly recommend reading this book. And um, it's really great, I think, basis training. I re- recently had a, a training about, you know, leadership skills. And one of the trainer also recommended this book. Um, there's another really good book about negotiations that we may talk at a different time point. But that's for, for later. Stuart, any kind of final comments regarding getting to yes? Uh, no, I think we, we've had quite a, a, a packed discussion. Um, I, one of the things that I really took from this as well is um, also make it easy for um, your other negotiator. So the person sitting across from you, uh, make it easy for them. Um, to, to, to get to uh, a final resolution. And I think sometimes we forget that. So lots of gems. And uh, thank you very much, Alexander, for another great book choice. Okay, very good. So this was another book review with Stuart. And we have already the next one's planned. So just If you haven't done yet, subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of the other episodes. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain who helps with the show in the background and thank you for listening. Head over to theeffectivestatistician.com to find the show notes, learn more about this podcast that will help you boost your career as a statistician in the health sector. Also, please tell your colleagues about this podcast because this is all free material and I want to have 
as many people as possible benefiting from this. Like always, reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.